listening to the coffee hour i'm sarah golseth thanks to concordia university wisconsin for your support of the coffee hour you can find out more about concordia university wisconsin at cuw.edu it is mental health awareness month in the month of may so we're covering some mental health topics today we're going to be talking about reducing stigma associated with mental illness joining me is dr stephen saunders professor and chairperson for the Department of Psychology at Marquette University. Thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure, Sarah. Thank you. So we're going to talk about mental illness. What is your background in the field of mental health and psychology? Well, I have a doctorate, a PhD in clinical psychology, and I'm a clinical psychologist. I've had a small practice for several decades. I joined Marquette University about 28 years ago as an assistant professor in the Department of Psychology. I, we have a doctoral program in clinical psychology, and I was the director of that for almost 20 years. And now I'm chairperson, so I have a, a practice. I do research in, you know, on mental illness, especially with regard to mental health problems and, and stigma associated with that, how we treat mental health problems. And I train students in how to treat, diagnose and treat mental health problems and have written a couple of, many articles and a couple of books in particular for Christians to better understand mental health problems and how they are treated to try to, you know, as the topic is today, to, to try to reduce some of the misunderstanding and the stigma about mental illness and mental health problems. That's awesome. I feel like some some stigma has has been reduced in at least recent years. A lot more people talking about mental illness, being more open about going to therapy or what they're dealing with with mental health. So many so many things regarding mental health, surrounding mental health issues that have been in the mainstream news and all over social media. So I, I guess that that's a good thing. I'm really glad we're talking about this today. What are some examples? of stigma associated with mental illness? You know, you, to, to start it, you're, you're absolutely right. We are talking a lot more about mental health problems and mental illness because of the pandemic, of course, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the effect of school shutdowns. And, you know, we, we, it, wasn't, it wasn't social distancing that we were told to practice. It was basically social isolation. If you want to increase depression and anxiety in people, especially young people, isolate them socially, keep them away from friends and school and keep them away from, you know, the, the things that they love to do. And, and so it's been really devastating, the pandemic on the emotional health, especially of children and adolescents, but also, you know, the stress of it on, on, you know, adults, older people as well. The, you know, so we're hearing a lot more about it. I do wonder whether stigma towards it, we are talking about it more for sure, but I do wonder whether stigma towards mental illness and mental health problems is actually being reduced. Certainly being more open about talking about it is a good thing. But uh, yet the main stigma about mental health problems is the stigma of shame. 
people feel ashamed of themselves. They feel embarrassed in front of other people when they are experiencing a mental health problem. Primarily, these are depression and anxiety. And the shame is sort of related to, the shame is a feeling and it's related to this belief, this thought that so many people have that, that indeed much of our society basically promotes, which is that there's something wrong with you. There's something weak about you. There's something that you haven't done well enough if you have depression or anxiety or one of the more severe mental illnesses. And so, so it's the, the, this shouldn't be happening. This shouldn't be happening in my family. This shouldn't be happening to me. This is embarrassing. I'm ashamed of myself. It's the only illness. I like to point this out of all the illnesses that we have, you know, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, of all the illnesses that we have, it's probably the only illness that comes loaded with shame. You know, people, people might be very sad about having cancer. They, you know, might be frightened of having cancer, but no one would, no one would blame them for that. But ashamed of having cancer or heart disease or I'm type one diabetic. I'm not ashamed of being diabetic. It's just something that I've been afflicted with. Yet mental illness will somehow come practically prepackaged in our society, prepackaged with shame and embarrassment. Again, based on these notions that somehow this was avoidable and therefore it's your fault. And so that leads people, you know, like we've talked about their thoughts leading to this feeling of shame and that leads to the behavior, of course, of avoiding talking about it with others or avoiding treatment for it, especially. So the main, the, the main issues are, you know, you know the, these ideas that people with mental health problems, they're weak. They somehow didn't, they didn't, I don't know what it is. They didn't run fast enough. They didn't fight hard enough. They, they are somehow, you know, behaving selfishly or, you know, they, you know, it, but, but it's certainly, again, no other illness is like this, but certainly something that they should have done different to avoid going through this. So that, that's the main, that's the stigma that people experience. That's the, that's the stigma that you know, psychologists, mental health professionals hear from their clients all the time. And research has shown that as well. That's a very interesting point that it is, it, we do tend to think about mental illness as something that, that somehow we could have avoided if we tried harder, we wouldn't be dealing with anxiety or dealing with depression. And yet it's, it's in that same category as something that we're afflicted with and that we have tools and things to help us manage it and deal with it. Uh, and thankfully, those those are being talked about more. How might the stigma, the shame affect people living with mental illnesses as they're going through life in their careers, in their relationships, their physical health, ability to engage in, in professional help? How does it affect all of these different realms of our lives? Well, anything that you are ashamed of, practically by definition, you're going to want to keep from other people. So the biggest burden, and it affects everything that you just talked about, Sarah, it affects the way their work life, their home life, their social life. It affects, you know, so many medical doctors are surprised to learn from a patient or from a mental health provider 
about their patient, that their patient had had depression for a decade or more because their the patient never brought it up because of shame. So it does indeed affect how people interact with and, and get help from the healthcare system. And the, the, the most negative effect, uh, the most damaging effect is the avoidance. If you avoided talking about it, you're not going to seek help for it. But with regard to, you know, if I go to work and I have a, a sling on my arm because I broke my wrist, someone asks me what happened and I'll say, you know, well, I was, you know, I was on my phone and drinking a cup of coffee and reviewing, reviewing my notes for class. And, and by the way, I was on, on a skateboard and I tried to get down the stairs and I fell and that person would laugh and I would laugh and it would be. You know, I did something really stupid to cause myself harm. And I have done that, by the way, not, not that particular thing, but something practically, practically as stupid as that. I hurt myself in, in doing, doing very, very silly things. But, you know, or you say to someone, hey, you missed the meeting yesterday. Where were you? Oh, I had a dentist appointment or I was I getting a checkup for my doctor. I was, I had to go for treatment for, for my cancer. That same, you know, now March, you know, walk two doors down the hall to another office. Hey, Mary, you missed you at the meeting yesterday. And because Mary was talking to her social worker or her therapist or her counselor and Mary will say, oh yeah, I had, I had something, you know, Mary doesn't get the chance. Mary, Mary is ashamed. No, the person would feel uncomfortable if she said I was at my therapist talking about my depression related to terrible things that I went through as a child. The other person would look uncomfortable. Mary doesn't want to do that to the other person. Mary doesn't want to talk about this problem with other people. Doesn't want them to know. She doesn't get the same support that someone going through cancer treatment, somebody going through, you know, you know, recovering from a broken leg or a broken arm, someone recovering from an illness that, that is lingering on for a little bit. Persons with mental health problems don't get that support at work. They don't get that support with their friends and their social life. At home, you know, it's very common for children to be told, tragically common for children to be told by parents, don't tell anyone what you're dealing with. Don't tell anyone that you're in treatment for depression or anxiety. You know, it's hard, it's hard for parents to hear that about their children. So. You know, the, the general effect is I need to keep this to myself. Related to that, everyone wants me to keep this to myself because they feel uncomfortable talking to me about it. And it's just, a, you know, again, on top of the depression, on top of the, on top of the depression is shame. On top of the shame is a sense of isolation and loneliness about what you're going through because it, to, it, it's hard to talk to others about it. And you contract that to the fact, you know, we, we've been doing research on mental illness for a hundred years, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, we did surveys of the whole country. You know, in one, one study, they surveyed all close to 50,000 people and asked them, are you experiencing depression, anxiety? And what we find over and over and over again is starting at about age 10, about one in five persons in any given year will experience a diagnosable mental illness. 
So it is so common. It is probably the most common illness on the planet. Depression has been called the common cold of mental illness. It's as common as the cold. And yet, and yet we don't know how to talk about it. And I think, I think Christians, Lutherans in particular, are in a good place to actually try to talk about it, to, to talk about it. And we'll get into more of that in just a minute. We need to take a quick break. Talking with Dr. Stephen Saunders about reducing stigma associated with mental illness. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth, talking today with Dr. Stephen Saunders, professor and chairperson of the Department of Psychology at Marquette University, talking about reducing stigma associated with mental illness. And before we went to break, you started talking about some great stuff, some some facts that would help us understand mental illness a little bit more. So what are some other facts about mental illness that would help us reduce associated stigma with mental illness? Well, the two most important we've, we've discussed, the first is that it's extremely common. Yeah. It's like a small, a small church of a hundred people. In any given year, 20 of those persons will experience, again, a diagnosable mental illness. And that means it's severe enough that a mental professional or a doctor would actually write it down in the chart and say diagnosable major depressive disorder, for example. But. That's an that's issue of severity. There's a lot other people that don't quite have enough depression. They're not quite anxious enough, enough days of the week that they have what we refer to as subclinical depression or anxiety. So that's in addition to the, the, the 20 out of 100 people. And by the way, those 20 out of 100 people, they have maybe parents or spouses or brothers or children. They have friends who are worried about them, you know, that they know that they're suffering and they worry about them. In short, first fact, the first way to try to reduce stigma by understanding the fact that mental health problems are extraordinarily common. Everyone knows someone with a mental health problem. Everyone knows someone with a mental illness. And for any pastors or teachers or other people listening to this, if you don't know in your church who is experiencing a mental illness, it's because they haven't told you. Hmm. Then the question becomes, why haven't they told you? Well, the other issue, the other fact about mental illness, you have this fact of shame, the stigma that is attached to it. Again, very strangely attached to mental health problems versus other medical illnesses. So one thing I encourage pastors, churches to do is to include Persons who are struggling with mental health issues in their prayers, 
They include persons with medical problems. How about emotional problems? How about spiritual problems? It's, it's a, it's a short sentence. It's a short couple of words, but what you will do by doing that is communicate to those sitting in front of you. I might not know who you are, but I know you're here and that will be of great comfort to them. So, but again, the, the two facts are there people with mental health problems and their families. They are here in our churches and we need to encourage them to the extent that we can to tell us who they are so that we can offer comfort and consolation that can only be found in that at the cross, at the cross of Christ Jesus and that knowing that God loved everybody and cares, cares for everybody and, and, and is not ashamed, is not angry at you for having this, but rather, you know, he wants you to know that, you know, all things needful have been taken care of by, by his son and that eventually, you know, salvation and the joy of heaven will be our, our reward. Yeah. Talking about what it, what makes it a difference for us in a Lutheran worldview? What are some, why, what may be unique to understanding mental illness from our Lutheran worldview that, that helps us to work through the stigma or just understanding what mental illness is? Well, the, part of, part of why I think Lutherans make great psychologists is because properly trained Lutherans understand that being a Christian doesn't prevent one from experiencing pain and suffering. We, we know that. Likewise, we don't fear. We don't run from pain and suffering. And I, I'd like, I'd like Lutherans to, Lutheran listening to perhaps adopt that attitude. This pain and suffering associated with mental illness is not something that is easily seen. If someone doesn't tell me about it, I don't know that they have it, but you know, but it is very, very real. And just like cancer doesn't frighten me, just like death doesn't frighten me. No one wants to face death. No one wants to die, but you know, it, it doesn't frighten us. We, we offer comfort and consolation and that's what I think Lutherans can do there. But, but we have a, we have a big challenge, which is our societal beliefs and even, you know, most other so-called Christian denominations, hopefully Lutheran don't ascribe to that, but it's the idea that God needs us to be happy. God wants us to be happy and that God is disappointed in us when we are not happy. In contrast, Jesus Christ said to his believers, pick up your cross and follow me. Crosses are pretty big and they're pretty heavy and they're very unpleasant. And, you know, God promised Moses that your, your descendants will suffer and we know we've been assured by God, by Christ himself, that life is going to be difficult. We don't, you know, we don't want it to be difficult. We do what, our, what we can to make the cancer go away, to, to treat the heart disease. We, 
we certainly do what we can to encourage people to seek help for their depression and anxiety, other mental illnesses. But we do not, what we can do as Christians and Lutheran in particular is address the sense of shame and especially the potential sense of shame that they hear from other Christians that there's something particularly shameful if a Christian is not happy that, that they are loved by God. And you should be happy is a terrible thing to say to someone who is a Christian who is experiencing depression, anxiety, and, and, and we don't want to do that. Instead, we want to say, I understand what's going on. I'm sorry that you're going through this. Come to church, come to church. It'll be good for you to be with other people. Come to church, understand what the Bible actually says. Come to church and sing. That'll be good for you as well. Please join us. We are not ashamed of you. We don't want you to stay away. We welcome you just like we welcome anyone else, anyone else with an illness. Yeah, those are very, it's very, very wise advice, very a good insight into how this it makes a difference with our Lutheran worldview, knowing what we know about God's love for us in Christ. But what, what do we do with the, uh, the, the stigma or just the, the concept in some circles that mental illness means a lack of faith? How do we overcome that idea in our, in our Christian circles? You can either read the Bible or you can read anything written by Martin Luther. Mm. Um, Martin Luther, you know, probably suffered from depression. He, he himself said as much, probably related to the really serious physical pain he was in much of his life. I mean, the poor guy had so many ailments. It was just amazing. But we, you know, Martin Luther distinguished between how he was doing emotionally and how he was struggling spiritually. So one thing that Martin Luther talked about his infectum, which is his spiritual distress. He wrote a length on one of my favorite things that I've read Martin Luther write someone. He writes to Melanchthon, I'm doing well, but my weak faith torments me. My weak faith torments me. Luther had, was tormented by his own weakness of faith. And of course, his, his solution, what he recommended for what he did, what he did, what he recommended to others, pray, go to church, ask God to strengthen your faith. Let's just stop right there and recognize that faith is a gift from God and God's gifts are sufficient. You know, we cannot say my faith is weak and this is my fault. What we can do is say my faith is weak, strengthen my faith. The issue of faith and mental health problems are unrelated. Do mental health problems cause people to have faith problems? Certainly. Is infectum, is spiritual distress distressing? Well, it's right there. So it certainly is. It causes people to be anxious and sad. But believing in God and not, and therefore not having mental problems, the idea that faith in God prevents someone from having mental problems, again, look anywhere in the Bible. It did not stop Moses from 
begging God to kill him because he was so distraught by what the Israelites that were following him were saying and doing. It didn't stop Abraham from being so fearful that he asked his wife to not tell anyone they were married, tell him you're my sister. It didn't stop, it didn't stop Peter from being so fearful that he denied knowing Christ and so forth and so on. David, I mean, all of our, it, it, again, just open up your Bible. Let, in fact, don't even open it to a specific page. Just let it open itself and you will read a story about someone who spoke with God and yet experienced anxiety, depression, people whose faith we do not question, who nonetheless experienced mental health problems. Faith has nothing to do with it. That is great advice for us and always pointing us back to Christ and the promises that we have in him that we will experience struggles. We all have something that, that we're struggling with. And yet we, we have Christ promised this to us that we will be saved in him, which is, which is wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Saunders, for joining me today to talk about reducing stigma associated with mental illness. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Oh,